the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of this morning's message is Rebuilding Your Life. All of us at some point will suffer loss of one kind or another. Loss of loved ones, loss of friends, loss of financial security, loss of health, and you name it. The question then is, how does a person rebuild his or her life after being battered by the storms of life? Be they tragedy, disaster, ill health, unemployment, or major loss? There are a lot of things in all of our lives that need to be rebuilt. How do you rebuild a relationship with a spouse, a son or daughter, a mom or dad? How do you rebuild a career after it has been derailed? How do you rebuild after a financial disaster? How do you gain the sense of confidence and strength for the future? It doesn't take long after you open the book of Nehemiah to notice its relevance to the situations we face as individuals and as a nation. Let me give you the historical context of the book of Nehemiah. David's kingdom had deteriorated under his grandchildren. They divided Israel into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom was destroyed by the Assyrians as punishment by God for rejecting him. Later, the kingdom of Judah rejected God, and the Babylonian army, under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, defeated them, and as a result, The leaders of Judah were killed, the temple in Jerusalem was burned, and the best and brightest citizens were taken to Babylon as prisoners. Nehemiah, one of the uh, exiles from Judah, served as cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Hanani, one of his brothers, And some others came to visit him 
and he inquired about the Jews living in Judah. And Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 says, They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The book of Nehemiah provides lessons about how to rebuild what is broken. There are four things that we need to do. First, take an honest assessment of your situation. Take an honest look at where you are right now. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 13 says, It was still night as I left the city through the valley gate. As I went, I inspected the broken walls of the city and the gates that had been destroyed by fire. This Nehemiah traveled to Jerusalem and saw the devastation for himself. He took a close personal look at the problem. You see, before you begin to rebuild whatever aspect of your life you are rebuilding, you need to take an honest look at where you are. Because until you face the problem, you will never see how God can take you through that problem. Prepare your heart before you go and face the problem that you have. Otherwise, you will just get more depressed. Here's what Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. He says, when I heard all of this, that is the news about the destruction of um, Jerusalem, at least the, the walls that had been destroyed and all that had taken place there, he said, when I heard all of this, I sat down and wept. For several days I mourned and did not eat. I prayed to God, Lord God of heaven, you are great and we stand in fear of you. You faithfully keep your covenant with those who love you and do what you command. Mourning means that you express your hurt to God. In the NIV, it also adds fasting, which means focus your hurt on God. And praying means that you ask for help from God. The troubles have a way of bringing us to our knees before God, and that is a good thing. So once you have looked at the situation and you have prepared your heart by, by mourning and praying, then the next step you're ready to take uh, is see what God can do. That's step number two. You see, our reaction to a problem is always determined by how we see that problem. If I look at a problem and see it as dis- uh, just disaster, then my reaction is despair. If I look at a problem and see it as unnecessary, then my reaction is irritation. If I look at a problem and see it as unfair, my reaction is anger. And if I look at a problem and see it as deserved, my reaction is guilt. But if I look at a problem and I see that the problem 
is an opportunity for God uh, to work, then my reaction is faith. As human beings, we can have more than one reaction at the same time. We can feel that something is unjust and that God is at work at the same time. We can have anger and faith at the same time. However, if all that we have is anger, then all we are left with is bitterness. But if you have faith, if you believe that God can work even in the midst of your difficulties, then you'll see him at work giving you peace like nothing else can. The Bible tells us very clearly that God is at work even in the midst of our problems and even through our problems. The apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, God is able to work hope into our lives, even through our sufferings. You hear people say from time to time, if you only have enough faith, or if you only pray in just the right way, then you don't have to go through much suffering in the world. But that is not true. The truth is every one of us is going to go through suffering in this life. There is a place where there is no more suffering and sin, and that's called heaven. But we are not there yet. We are still on this earth where we go through suffering and pain, every one of us. Believers and unbelievers all have to face the same realities of life. One day God will do away with suffering. But the amazing thing is that while we are here on the earth, God works in our lives in greater ways than we could even imagine. And many of you have experienced the miracles that God has worked in your life as you have gone through uh, difficult circumstances. The greatest thing you can think of doing in your life, God can do more than that. As Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So think of the greatest thing that God can do, and he can do far more than that. Think of the greatest change that God can work in, in your life, in the life of our nation, and God can do far more than that. How does he do it? According to Ephesians 3.20, he does it according to his power that is at work within us. And he has given us the power to make decisions with respect to our country that um, allows us to be at peace and, and to experience uh, his grace in a greater dimension. Do you want God to do more than you can ask or imagine? 
then ask him the question, God, what do you want to do in me? Do you want a new sense of security and hope and peace for the future? Instead of thinking, God, how can I change my circumstances, etc., etc., ask him, God, what do you want to do in me? We all live on two levels. Level one is what I can do. Level two is what God can do. Some of you may have lived all your life on the first level. It's all been what I can do. And if uh, you look at life honestly, for many of us, it's not a bad life. You may have a pretty good career, good family, and lots of material things, but it's just what you can do. You can't build fulfillment or joy or security into your life. Only God can do that. You certainly can't build the hope of, of, for eternal life into your life. That is something only God can do. So don't settle for just what you can do in life. God wants to do so much more in your life than what you can do. So when you move to the what God can do side of life, all of a sudden you find him working through you in ways that you never imagined. Many of us today could not have imagined that God would um, take us to where we are right now. But we serve a great God, and he knows exactly what to do with our lives. Listen to Paul in Romans chapter 4, 4 and 5, in the message paraphrase. If you are a hard worker and do a good job, you deserve your pay. We don't call your wages a gift. But if you see that the job is too big for you, that that is something only God can do, and trust him to do it, you can... Never do it for yourself, no matter how hard and long you, you worked. Well, that trusting him to do it is what gets you set right with God, by God, sheer gift. So how do I get on this, what God can do side of life? You trust God to do it rather than just trusting yourself. Even after making a commitment of um, our life to Jesus Christ, some of us have tried to live this what-I-can-do life over the years. We all struggle with this day after day, week after week, month after month. What I can do or what God can do. Is it my plan or his plan? Is it my strength or his strength? You see, God is inviting all of us to move from what I can do column to the what God can do column. Once I've decided I want to see what God can do, then the next step may be the most important. Number three, take a step of faith. 
You take a step of faith based on what you see God can do. You have to do something about what you believe. You take a step of faith. Nehemiah did that. The Bible tells us that that Nehemiah went before the king uh, with a sad face, knowing that the wall of Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. He made a request of the king that he could go and rebuild the wall. And so we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asks, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. So why was Nehemiah terrified? You see, in that day, kings had uh, the habit of um, really dealing uh, with disgruntled workers uh, in a way that we would not even imagine today. You see, if you went uh, before the king and made a request, And the king said yes, and that was great. But if the king said no, right after that, you would be beheaded. And so Nehemiah was scared. He was risking his life when he made the request. You see, it takes great personal courage and faith for someone to stand up and say, this is what I believe God can do. You notice that what Nehemiah did? That he prayed to the God of heaven before he told the king uh, what he wanted. You know, we can do that. Some people call it microwave prayer. Just send up a quick prayer. Uh, You're in a situation where uh, you can't, you know, pray for any length of time. But you just send up a quick prayer, God help me, I need you. He said it takes courage because we have to be willing to face the consequences. You could be ridiculed and even suffer because of your faith in God if you let other people um, know exactly what you believe. Matthew seventeen twenty shows us why there is such power in a small step of faith. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus is teaching us here that it's not a matter of how big your faith is. It's a matter of how great the God is in whom you are putting your faith. So I would like to recommend to you that you erase the phrase enough faith from your vocabulary. You say either you have faith or you don't. 
either you are leaning on God or you're not. So how do you plant that mustard seed faith that Jesus is talking about? Nehemiah teaches us how. You say publicly, this is what I believe God will do. Nehemiah went to the city of Jerusalem where the people lived with the rubble of the torn down wall and burnt gates for years. They were satisfied with things as they were. But Nehemiah knew that things could change. And we thank God for people who believe that things could change in this country. And we are seeing some of that happening as, as people um, begin to work and to, and to believe that um, things can change. And we have seen, at least we are in the process of seeing uh, what will happen. Nehemiah stood up and said to the people, face to face and eye to eye, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. You see, he took a step of faith. You see, when someone stands up and says, I believe God can cause us to succeed in the effort we are putting forth, when someone says, I believe God can restore this relationship, or God can enable me to kick this habit, or God will help me to do the job he has given to me, then God steps in and honors the faith that is placed in him. So once you have taken this step of faith, then you're ready for the next step. And the last step, number four, is be ready for God to act. Be ready for God to do something about the faith that you have placed in him. Nehemiah expected God to act. In Nehemiah chapter 2, 6 through 8, the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. And that's the key. That the gracious hand of God was on Nehemiah, not just because of the king's generosity. He touched the heart of the king so the king would respond to him. Nehemiah was prepared in advance for the yes. How much of our lives do we spend preparing for the no? Worrying about the no. Worrying about what's going to happen if our plans don't work out. Nehemiah had the faith to be ready for God to say yes. So what have you done to get ready for God to be at work in your life? God is ready to act on our behalf to give us the hope and strength that we need for the future. That's the kind of God we serve. As Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, uh, we have a wonderful promise. It says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? See, there is no security in anything in this world. It can only be found 
in God because he does not change. God wants to help all of those devastated by the effects of COVID-19. He wants to help all of those who have been affected by natural disasters such as hurricane and, and floods and, and fire. And he also wants to help us in spite of the foolish decisions made by our political leaders. You see, if there has been any time in our nation's history that we need the Lord, it is now. We need him to release us from our fears and insecurities. We need him to use our president-elect to heal the political polarization and uh, for the new administration to work together with Congress to solve the many problems which affect us all, especially black and brown people. We need God to give us hope for the future and peace in the turmoil we are in the middle of right now. Now, it is easy to believe in God when you are on the mountaintop, but what about when you are in the valley? It is easy to believe in God when the road is straight and smooth, but what about when the going gets rough and steep? It is easy to believe in God when you're in good health, but uh, what about when you are feeling pain and discomfort and you've been diagnosed with cancer? It is easy to believe in God when the days are pleasant and, and sunny, but what about when they are dark and dreary? It is easy to believe in God when others are encouraging you, but what about those times when you have to stand alone? It is easy to believe in God when the bills are all paid and there's money in the bank, but what about when the bills pile up? It is easy to believe in God when singing and rejoicing are present, but what about when sadness and sorrow invade your life? You see, it is not the good times that prove how strong a Christian you are, but it is the bad times. It is not the pleasant days that determine just how mature you are in the Lord, but it's the troublesome times. It is not the compliments that come along that show how dedicated you are, but it's when criticism comes. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 10.30 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.